and you are listening to COVID and Young People, the radio documentary talking about how coronavirus has affected young people in Britain. In this episode, we'll be talking about mental health and how the government can support young people as we are returning to schools and as the country is starting to get back to some form of normality for most people. Later on in the episode, we'll be hearing from Alex Davies, the founder of No Child Left Behind, a campaign that is working towards increasing the support that is given to bereaved young people. We also spilled the tea on the results of this survey that we ran, all coming up on this episode of COVID and Young People. This is COVID and Young People. Now we might as well start off by talking about our own cities because obviously we can't speak for the whole country but one thing that we can speak on is our own cities so I'm from Leeds and Liv is from Halton and for me mental health services are they're good Um, like obviously we have MindMate we have um, MindMate I can't remember the names when you're always on the spot you kind of find it hard to remember names of services in the city but for me, I know that there's MindMate, which is online support. And also, oh God, it's going to kill me. But um, yeah, so but I know that there are services in Leeds, which is dedicated to helping people online with their mental health if they're having issues, whether it's night or day. And obviously, there's Childline and all those type of things. And yeah, so what, what's it like for you in Holton? So I, I think we got a similar setup to, to Leeds, but ours is called Coof, which I'm sure you haven't heard uh, in, in Leeds anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we're fortunate to act. I live in a town, so our CAMS waiting lists haven't been too bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we're, we're fortunate that our mental health services are really good. Although I must admit, throughout the pandemic, I've been really frustrated at the lack of um, signposting and uh, advertising of these services. Uh, so I don't think many young people are aware, you know, that, that there is help available and that, yeah. you know, quite a few suffer in silence, unfortunately. Yeah, and then that also came up on the survey that we... Um that we ran i mean if reading through all of these responses i don't think many people knew um because from the statistic uh, that we gathered um 75 of the young people who filled out our mental health survey said that they believed that there wasn't enough support for young people's mental health i think i think it's, i think it's a bit of an assumption really that there isn't much mental health support i mean don't get me wrong there isn't too many and you know there are quite full i just don't think you know these companies and charities do an awful you know an awful uh, lot of advertising them which is a bit yeah because it costs money yeah because it costs money and obviously um they don't yeah they don't have the funds but at the same time the government and i know as you're currently in a recession right now but they they most likely have a pot of money that they can give to these organizations maybe to spend on advertising and also to you know better their services to be able to get more volunteers to just kind of create opportunities for more people to be trained on how to help young people Um, because literally all the all the different help um, as Tesco say every little helps (laughs) and that 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 okay I feel like I'm waffling but I'm sure you get the gist Um, but but back to the survey, 75% of young people who filled out our survey, like I said previously, said that they believed there wasn't enough support for young people's mental health. A 17-year-old from Leeds um, said that there are lots of support services available, but not enough people know about them um, or how to get in touch. Or even so, it's a daunting prospect asking for help, which is definitely true. I know that there are so many people who suffer in silence and they believe um, that um, that you know that there is no one to talk to, and when it comes to reaching out, I don't. Everyone, some people are too proud to like say, yeah, you know, yeah. I need help, and you know, um, that's that's kind of the thing. We want to kind of banish the stigma that mental health is a bad thing. Everyone has one, and it's all about um, just reaching out and by ending the stigma around mental health. You know, the stigma's still there, really, isn't it? It's, 
it's quite it's disappointing that 2020 i feel like this is about everyone especially you know the royal family stuff have campaigned on for years and there's there's sort of this stigma where especially for young males that speaking out is you know or weak you know see them as weak or pathetic or whatever and it's just so frustrating it's because you see very very little progress happen but hopefully Hopefully, you know, something good comes out of this pandemic and obviously there's going to be quite a few people lost and, you know, with ill mental health and stuff. And maybe it might open people's eyes up to, you know, quite a few. You know, everyone, everyone has mental health, but, you know, sort of, some people have ill mental health. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And then, um, obviously, you said a good point about um, how, you know, men are just seen, you know, they kind of brush it off on the side. It may sound stupid, but if anyone watches Hollyoaks, um, I think there was a really good storyline about Darren, who was kind of suffering from depression, and his mate Luke Morgan in the show. It feels weird that I'm talking about a TV show, but they, do, <laughs> they, 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 they really do a good job of kind of highlighting these issues. Yeah. Of how Luke Morgan, um, another character in the, in the show, was telling, oh, you don't have depression, what's this? Uh, you need to just man up and be a man and just, you know just suck it up that's kind of what the whole um that's kind of what i don't know how to put it but that's what it's been like for years how yeah. uh, the view of a man is that they're supposed to just you know just sniffle it and just carry on as normal and not you know bat an eyelid about it and obviously that's something that needs to change and that's something that needs to be recognized especially at a younger age if we can kind of instill it if we can kind of encourage people from a younger age that you can be a man and you can cry you can have emotions you can you can you can feel sad it kind of just normalizes mental health as well um absolutely yeah uh some more responses from our survey a 16 year old said that it was impossible to access services even crisis lines had an hour plus wait no physical doctor appointments, obviously, with um, yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. Alicia, 17 from Thorak, said, if you don't fit into the criteria, you're kind of pushed away and you're told to look at a website and phone child line if you need. That's not mental health support. Uh, Chloe, a 17-year-old from Leeds, said she knows of some of her friends and classmates who have struggled during lockdown and haven't had an Id- any idea about where to go or who to reach out to about their newly developed issues or progressing issues during this time. It should be very clearly advertised or offered. Uh, well, I think, you know, quite the schools have a big part to play in this. Cause at the school in, in Horton that I used to attend um, sent an email to the parents and the students about all the services that can be accessed, all these websites, but also ringing up and checking in the students. Um, mm-hmm. Even as year 11 is just yet left, my head of year is rang multiple times over the break. Well, I say break. It's not really a break, is it? Yeah, it's not. But, but yeah. it's, it's so useful. And I can imagine it It would genuinely help quite, you know, an awful lot of people. But, mm-hmm. you know, without it, there's no doubt young people are left a bit, you know, stranded and, you know, a bit lost, really. Because mm-hmm. I... Really, like it's not it's not properly advertised. So really, where would they, you know, where would they go for, for that help otherwise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely the consensus. Like schools do play a very important role in, like, because it's the first point of contact for most young people. Because it's a thing where before obviously lockdown began, it's where we pretty much spent most of our childhood. At we go to these places a hundred over one hundred and seventy times a year. Yeah. And it just makes sense to just offer some sort of support, uh, or not support, but at least tell people about it if the school doesn't have the capacity yeah. to as well. well um, I'd imagine schools already have an idea, sort of, of the young people that they they reckon will be struggling over the over the, mm-hmm. uh, the time off. So yeah. I don't know. There should yeah. be like it's common sense, really. Just drop an email, put a few links in the email, even if you you know send it to your year group. Yeah. It, you know, it has more of an impact than I'm sure they'll ever understand. Yeah, because obviously suicide is, you know, is one of the the results of having bad mental health. And 
this has been something really hard to find a statistic on so i can't really i didn't want to give an exact number because it was wasn't going to be true but um i read stories that at the start of lockdown people um young people uh, as well took their own lives because obviously they weren't coping yeah. with the with lockdown and the prospect of not being able to see anyone because to, to be honest when people first here in the uk might have to go into lockdown the first thing i'm i'm sure most people thought was i don't think i can be locked up because it is like being locked up you're yeah. you're you're you can't go anywhere you can't see your mates obviously for safety reasons yeah but i, I it's like being in prison i don't want to compare it to prison but for most people they they probably compare it to prison and you know it's 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 just something that you know just a are you all right probably would have made a difference like if you need to talk to anyone just that that's you know it's just common sense Um, lockdown for me is really um it's really made me realize how much human contact and you know speech people is so important in our daily lives like i don't know about you but i've been really i've been really missing people and you know, you yeah. speak to you speak to them over Zoom, you speak to them over the phone, but it's it's That's nothing not compared to you know having a hug off them. Oh, mate, I miss hugs so much. I have not had a hug because my family aren't really huggy, so I'm not had a hug in months, and we obviously can't yeah. have one now still. But I'm just so glad to be speaking to people and, and looking at people face to face, and even like just being in you know sort of that presence for people. It's just so it's such a relief. Yeah. I think the day that people when the government if they have any brains say that you know social distancing will no longer be required which i don't think is anywhere near that yet no no um, but when they do say i feel probably the first thing i'm gonna tweet is go hug someone because you know everyone deserves it yeah. like honestly the last few months i don't know how many months has it been april may june like five months. months five months it's been um actually it is exactly five months it's been since lockdown started actually one last statistic is another 17 year old from leeds um a lot of young people still feel vulnerable in the fact that they have no one to talk to mental health is only recently drifting away from its label of a somewhat taboo topic however it's still not regarded as a comfortable topic to talk about by many in a young mind report more than 1,000 respondents who were accessing mental health support in the three months leading up to the crisis, including NHS, school and university counsellors, private providers, charities and helplines. 31% said that they no longer were able to access support, but still needed it. I think that's a shocking number because, you know, um, that's, that's nearly one in four people one in three people i can't do quick maths <laughs> but you know it's support proves but support is vital and we've said it a lot of times i feel like we're probably going to keep repeating ourselves throughout this episode but support during this time would have been needed more than ever because yeah, yeah. i think the last the last the last major incident this country has faced was world war ii and no one in our generation has ever you know experienced something like that so if this has been a first i never if someone said to us a year ago that we're all going to be locked up we're not going to be able to go out anywhere we're not going to be able to see our friends we're not going to be able to hug anyone yeah well everything's going to be shut down schools hotels football pitches they would just look at you like you're 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 mad they look at you like you know they, they they just would be in disbelief and now that we're kind of experiencing i'm just like some something as small as a virus i mean it's not a small virus but something can shut a country down but not just they need the country it's the world isn't it the world yeah but um, yeah the world um and but you know obviously it would have been nice if the government had the right plans in place at the start because I, I tell you now, these statistics would have been lower, and these, they would have been, they would have been. Oh, and no, 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 no statistic that's obviously bad is 
it's good if you kind of get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously we're people, and you know we're not numbers, but at the same time we kind of are numbers in everything that happens. But if the government had put the right guidelines at the start of lockdown, I feel so many more young people would have benefited from support, and so many lives that were not related to coronavirus would still be here and even more people would have been saved by coronavirus if they had done the right measures at the right time. It's not all been bad. 25% of young people have said they do feel support was available. We have an 18 year old from Leeds saying that the pastoral care team at her school regularly emailed them to check in on their well-being. You know, I, I just feel like there's such a gap between schools that have checked in on their young people and schools that haven't. What, what about yeah. you, Landry? Is your school checked in? Uh, I mean, they kind of, they have, but I don't think they've done it as regularly. Um, yeah, uh, I just feel if they probably did it like, you know, once a week or a few form tutor, yeah, yeah. not, I wouldn't say daily, but, um, at least weekly. Yeah. Weekly. It would have, it would have made more of a difference because, you know, you, you can't, you can't put a timer on someone's mental health, you know, anything can happen because five, no one at the start of lockdown, we thought we like it was crazy to think that we thought this was gonna last for three weeks <laughs> yeah i thought, I thought i'd be I, done in two <laughs> i thought i'd be done in three weeks and i'd be back in school before the end i mean we technically were back in school before yeah. the end of september but i thought that everything would be back to normal at the start of july and i'd be chilling having <laughs> just you know being around my mates but looking at it now it's been five months That's um in months. in theory in theory lockdown is over but obviously it, it's not really, it is over for most, but at the same time, nothing was really normal. Cause you know, yeah. you always have these awkward times, you know, wearing a mask, which is very important when you're going out and then having to stand two meters. Although I do feel annoyed that not everyone's still doing that. No, it's so frustrating. It's such kicking the teeth as, in, as well. Is it? Cause you're all sat there in your mask, not looking, you know, too clever. I'll make sure you're two meters from everyone. Mm-hmm. And then they, yeah. there's these divvies who just aren't bothering, and it's just like yeah. I'm, I'm no, my nan doesn't live in Halton, so you know she's safe and that. I'm doing this for your nan to make sure your nan's staying safe, you know, to make sure your nan's safe. And then you're not even bothering. It's just it, mm-hmm. it nothing really upsets me more than just seeing people who don't care. Mm-hmm. And another another like example is like. Um, I would go to the shop like I nine times out of ten I can't say I'm perfect I have my mask sometimes you know when you're in a rush and you just need to go get milk <laughs> you just dash out I got I got to the shop and I was like oh, I don't have my mask and it was, there, was, there was no one in there so I tried my luck um, there was actually no one in there um, so and the, the shop um, was kind enough to let me pay because they knew that I lived quite far away from my house um, but obviously but sometimes I'd go in the middle of the day, I'm wearing my mask, and then I'm in the shop. It's a tiny shop, so um, you know the, the the aisles are narrow. Like you, you you can't social distance if you want to try avoid someone in a in an aisle. So you have to like be quick. Um, but the thing is, I I came in one day and there was about ten people in the shop, not really social distancing. I'm not sure if they were family members, but I could see that some of them weren't, and they were not wearing masks obviously just walking around the store and I was just like what in the hell moving on we caught up with Alex Davies a member of youth parliament for Stockport and also the founder of the no child left behind campaign to talk to him about bereavement as a result of COVID-19 and also the general consensus around how young people will be affected by this pandemic So Alex, what long-term impact do you think coronavirus will have on young people? So there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of long-term impacts, and they're all in different categories. But I kind of consider it to be the main ones, which being educational. So there are going to be a lot of young people who have lost time in school during what is kind of an essential period for them. So especially the young people who are either in starting college or. Um, 
in their first year of college or about to start college and they're doing their GCSE exams. So a lot of young people are going to be affected this way because obviously they're rather than being graded on their exams, they're being graded on mocks and attainment and effort during the year. So that's going to be a huge effect on young people because it, their grade might drastically differ. Um, yeah. Same with year 12s as well. So these are people who would, if they're doing A-levels, doing their AS levels, uh, who will have to be doing it based on what they've done already and also what the tutors think of them. And also with BTECs, uh, there's very little advice being released on BTECs at the moment. So there's kind of like this limbo that no one knows what they're doing. But quintessentially, I think the biggest thing is the long-term impact on young people's mental health. And it's something that's kind of been acknowledged, but not really had any much attention from the government. Understandably, because there's a lot of there's high priority things and sorting out and salvaging the economy is obviously the biggest kind of problem at the moment but there are, are young people who are going to be seriously affected from it i know of someone who unfortunately um took their own life at, at the start of lockdown because she couldn't cope with it and it's just the mental effect on young people for this is going to be absolutely is and is going to be absolutely catastrophic and it's going to be a taken a it's going to be an uphill struggle to kind of sort that and kind of help the young people who are you know suffering from this so it that is the big long-term impact is that people's mental health are going to be really 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 struggling essentially so what initiatives do you think the government should have introduced to better support young people during the lockdown in terms of mental health yep so as i said earlier i said obviously there's been a focus on the economy um, especially when they're all everywhere has been shut down and the kind of point of a lockdown is that everything stops. So we are obviously we're heading towards a recession. Uh, it's kind of inevitable at this point and the economy has been absolutely decimated because there's been no kind of tourism, uh, theatre, anything. So that's an obvious effect. But the problem with that is when you're focusing on the economy and you're putting all your resources sorting out the economy, you neglect the other essentials but that might not be as obvious on the surface. So in terms of mental health, um, I mean, we can all deny it, but governmental austerity and kind of budget cuts over the year has kind of uh, has reduced these services to skeleton crews. And some, especially with mental health services, funding have been cut over the year. And there's already a large amount of young people who aren't even accessing the services they need anyway. And one thing that I'm really, really, really vocal about is the fact that considering there are going to be a lot of young more young people who are going to lose people and be bereaved these services that are already stretched and become even more stretched so i think the biggest thing you should have done really is to um is increase these services the increase funding for these bereavement services not only for the short term as in for now during this pandemic period but also for the long the long term for it to be sustainable you have to kind of inject money into these because there are going to be lots and lots of young people who are going to be affected by this child bereavement uk say that on average every day 111 children lose uh, a close relative and in terms of coronavirus and how many people we're still losing a day four months into the pandemic I mean, they said 20,000 would be a good result. We're now over double that. So there are going to be a lot more young people who are going to have to, who are going to need support. So I've been very vocal about this during the pandemic and I'll continue to kind of champion this because it's something that's going to affect a lot of young people and yeah. needs to be sorted. Now we're slowly like easing lockdown measures. How do you think the government can support young people with their mental health? So like I said, I said the most obvious thing is funding, but also from my experiences and experiences with young people I've spoken to in all the kind of work I've been doing, um, is that a lot of young people feel like the kind of support systems are kind of left to their kind of schools and educate on where they're going for education. And they think they're, they're being made to, to kind of sort these out. And to be honest, uh, no school has really the capacity to kind of do this. There are a lot of things that need to be gone, especially with pastoral teams. They're, they're too busy. They've got too much to do in the day to be sorting out these kind of things. And it shouldn't be down 
to um, it should be down to schools to kind of to organise all this support. And I, I'm a big advocate for the Department of Education kind of um, starting a kind of uh, starting a regulated support system for bereaved young people, especially because when you when you're considering budget cuts for schools all across the UK, some people have had maybe some schools have maybe had ten thousand cut, other schools could have nearly a million cuts, and it vastly differs. So it means that all across the UK, schools are unable to offer a consistent support. Someone in Surrey might get a completely different. Um, level of support than someone in Aberdeen might and m one of the things that my that I'm trying to work on is kind of leveling that out so that people get high quality support bereavement support irrespective of where they go to school so that's the main thing I think they need to introduce is that uh, you need to have a consistent kind of support system rather than leaving it up to the discretion of other schools to kind of sort out. So you run the campaign No Child Left Behind. Could you tell us more about that? So the campaign was started after my own experiences with the bereavement services. So in 2016, I lost my dad to esophageal cancer. And, and it was one of these things is that it was coming for a long time, but... Um, it was a shock to the system, the fact that my dad was actually very ill for many years prior to his cancer diagnosis and he got better. So he he, he suffered with, uh, he was quite dependent on alcohol and he was sober for four years and then he was, unfortunately he got cancer and it was kind of this. And at the time I kind of thought that I'm not, I'm, I'm not a religious person I'm not, and I don't believe in these kind of things, but I kind of thought I was being punished for something I'd done. So it's, so, it's, so it's at this time I started accessing support networks like um, Childline because I felt like they were the only thing to talk, they were the only kind of support network there uh, because uh, I didn't go to a very fantastically funded school. Um, mm -hmm. My tutors did, my, my teachers there did everything they could for me and they were fantastic, but fundamentally I was failed by the mental health system. I was yeah. referred to CAMS in Stockport on an urgent referral um and how long did that take that took eight months for them to see me on an urgent referral so wow. and then i had one appointment with them and they discharged me there and then um and i'm this is not me criticizing or critiquing the mental health services um that they're, they're, they're stretched and fundamentally it's not their yeah. fault it's the lack yeah. of consistent lack and lack of funding and the cutting of the funding as well, which is hindering these services. And I'm not saying that a massive cash injection would have given me a drastically better kind of mental health experience, but... It would have gotten to treatment. Yeah, there was very little for me to rely on. And my dad was a very passionate uh, kind of campaigner. He was very, very set on his views. And although I didn't realise it, I slowly, after his death, I slowly became involved in politics indirectly because of how he used to be. He was very passionate, and I, I didn't really realise it then because I was a lot younger. So indirectly, all of this campaigning is because of my dad. No doubt about it. It's, it's just something that he would have done. So indirectly, it's, this campaign is for young people who have had bad experiences with the bereavement network but indirectly the person who I am bereaved of has made me because kind of influenced me to do this so it's it, bittersweet in the way that it was going I'm doing it for him because of him as well yeah so it's something that I've been doing I've been thinking about doing it for a while it's been in the works for nearly two years now and it's something that's recently come to fruition so that's why I'm doing it, basically. Um, just obviously on the topic of bereavement. Yeah. Um, what are the biggest? What are your? What are your biggest concerns regarding the future of bereavement support due to COVID nineteen? My biggest fear for this is that we won't kind of learn anything, or the gov government won't learn anything from this. Uh, is that so? 
like I said earlier, a lot of people are going to be bereaved from this. Not just young people. Yeah. But when you come to the nitty-gritty and when you go right into it is that there are going to be hundreds and hundreds and just just so many more young people who are going to need to access these support systems which are already financially stretched as it is and without this and without any more funding without kind of dedicating more money to these services young people more and more and more young people are not going to be able to access the services they provide so my biggest concern is that the government are going to get complacent and think oh well you know we can just go back to as how we were before and there's a lot of lessons that are going to have to be learned from this is the fact that thousands of young people are going to lose are going to lose young uh, their loved ones or have lost their long uh, your uh, loved ones and it's just something that needs to be taken kind of in consideration because it's going to get worse and worse and you're going to become to this pinch point where no one's going to be getting support and there needs to be something drastically done sooner rather than later to kind of uh facilitate these support networks because a lot of the pressure of being going on to these smaller community funded support systems because the nhs can't cope with the the strain of it and budgets enough of the budget aren't being allocated to these services because there isn't enough money to go around it's just the biggest lesson is that if i have to summarize it as quick as i can it's just that bereavement support has to increase and funding has to increase in order from all the young people who are bereaved to be to have to access that support thank you to alex for taking this time to join us and you can follow me on twitter at alex davies myp and also his campaign at, at nclbuk so we ran a survey to gather the views of those across the country and we asked them what do you think should have been done to better support young people during lockdown in terms of mental health support? Some responses included sending more resources and making sure young people feel more aware of the different resources available. Schools should contact pupils regardless of if they've expressed concern for their mental health because often people suffer in silence unless reached out to. There definitely could have been more support from schools and they should have been more understanding as to how hard it has been to complete schoolwork and stay motivated. The government could have promoted wellbeing and mindfulness and increased funding for mental health charities too. And then also another respondent who said that this was hard to answer believed that there isn't enough being done for mental health of, of young people in the best of times this is often left to charities and private organizations which i think is definitely true um, for instance cams um as you heard in alex's interview cams is absolutely stretched in popular cities let's just put it like that <laughs> so obviously i live in leeds which is massive um obviously I, it, it's insanely big like yeah it's bigger than Hudson, um, isn't it yeah, I think my, my the way I live in Gibson is probably the size of Holton, oh, give or take. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like for those who live in cities like Birmingham, Manchester, I don't know how to put Manchester because Manchester is like split into, it's, you know. It's a region, isn't it, really? It's a region. So, I want, it's, yeah, it's, it's a city and a region. And call it, they should really call it a zone. Um, what do you call it? Oh, like Northwest, or like Manchester. Yeah, yeah, have it as Manchester. Uh, but you know, but yeah. So for for um, I'm lost for words now. But for war, for for those cities that are bigger, Cams is absolutely stretched, and you know, with loads of like, I'm just gonna keep quoting Alex. He said loads of young people are gonna be bereaved from this, and that's. That is very true because you know how many deaths is happening in England? Over forty thousand. Oh yeah, I think over forty thousand people have died in England. So that's forty thousand 
families at least who have been bereaved of a loved one. It's and gonna be, yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think there's uh, obviously as you're aware. Have you have you heard of uh, is it called child bereavement? They they don't even um, get any funding from from the government. Yeah, Which and I, just, I feel like it's just ridiculous. And I feel like um, obviously, yeah, there are charities that can support, but they're all there. There is only a handful of so there are only a handful of staff that can help. There are so many organisations that can help, like the Dino Ward Helpline, um, Young Minds, Childline. Um, like you know, it, there is an endless amount. But it just gets to a point where one, not everyone knows about them, and two, the ones that are popular and people do know about them, they might, like someone said earlier, they might be waiting a whole hour uh, because you know the lines are jammed and because you can't really rush people when they want to talk. And you know, obviously, depending on the severity, it's like you know, I I don't think there is going to be enough support, and I feel this department in you know the uk is gonna absolutely be overwhelmed yeah because you know you it, it doesn't matter who you are everyone's important yeah you c- could have committed a crime and you know a petty crime when you're younger like you could be you could be the naughtiest kid in school you could be the softest kid in school but so you always need to reach out to someone for help and I feel I'm I'm very worried for the future because once we're out of this, so many families, so many people have died from this, and so many people are going to need to reach out for support. And I don't think the government can handle it. Um, I don't think they can handle much of the minute, can they? Being honest, they can't, and they can't handle much of the minute because obviously, at the time of recording, we're going to be talking about this in the next episode, in the in the not the next episode, um, but the education episode, A levels and GCSE's results they've been an absolute shambles um, recently um, like you know uh, you know it's two days before Livs gets her GCSE results and we've already seen what's been happening with <laughs> A-levels and the A- and the U-turn that the government did yesterday I don't think the government are currently I don't think they're in the right mindset and I feel like they really 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 need to have a sit down look at themselves and be like we really have screwed up and we need to come up with a new plan because if they don't come up with a new plan i don't think that this country will be able to stand on all all of their legs all four legs of that table will just be collapsed and you know i just feel like the conservative government at the moment have kind of you know driven this country into the ground because like people said at the start of the at the start of the um, pandemic the government are deciding between the economy and whether they're going to get the economy to start up as quickly as possible or they're gambling on people's lives and quite frankly as someone put on twitter in probably better than i could myself but they've done none they, they haven't really done any of them because you know the country's in recession people have died people need support for you know services and if we were to compare the government's like performance during the pandemic to let's say an Ofsted inspection to a risk to a school and the effective just use the point of the effectiveness of their leadership and management I would probably rate them as inadequate because you know (laughs) I feel the leadership of this current like this current government is this let's just forget that they're a part of a political party the people that are in it, I, I can I can really care what party they are in, but I just feel the, it's kind of been dysfunctional because they've got, Boris Johnson has been going back on his word so many times, like you know the whole don't go out, don't go, go out, out. <laughs> yeah, but go if you see. Eat out to help out, and then also lose weight, but don't eat out to help out, but also eat out to help out. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the eat out to help out scheme has kind. Of, it absolutely contradicted their new fitness or healthy eating scheme because obviously yeah there, 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 there are those healthy eating restaurants who you know not many people can eat at but then again there are places like mcdonald's and an, an, a cheese a, a 99 cheeseburger would, would be what is 50p on the eat out to help out scheme 
people who obviously don't have a lot of money would be more inclined to go to eat that's unhealthily and seeing as it is at a very low price they're gonna obviously buy excess of what they would normally buy and obviously then in some sense gaining weight from it and it, yeah it's kind of dangerous how they've been contradicting themselves on all of these schemes that they're starting to do yeah most definitely yeah but honestly i just feel that i just don't think the leadership of this country during this time has been good because if it if at day one it, when i think when obviously this had all panned out that china had seen that there is a new disease around called coronavirus the smart thing to do would have not have been to focus on brexit would have been to start a plan in case this disease was to make its way to britain and in case something like this was to happen because there are countries like new zealand who have yeah, absolutely smashed it who have absolutely smashed it their leadership has been impeccable outstanding yeah, but then absolutely. there's been the, the Britain who, and even the US, I'm not even going to start on the <laughs> US state, but you know, um, I just feel so, so many lives could have been saved if they had just listened and put, listened. put the people first in, in, instead in of the economy. The economy yeah. And even if they had put the people first, then it would have led to the economy being started up again. Exactly. Because, yeah, I. I yeah, I just, I just. I think the word incompetent comes to mind, doesn't it? Yeah, the incompetent. Um, obviously, back to the topic at hand was obviously um, we found some, uh, we ran a survey, and you know, one of the last suggestions was checkups on on students, especially from school. Um, jumping on the back of this one, I caught up with Paul Cooper, the principal of Bishop Young Church of England Academy, who told me about the school's plans as they set to reopen the school in September. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, there's, there's, there seems to be a, a bit of, in some quarters, a bit of an obsession in education with um, academic catch-up and the need to plan for academic catch-up. And whilst that is important for us, it's nowhere near the, the most important thing. The, the, the key thing for us is emotional, psychological catch-up. Um, and well-being as we move forward, both staff and students. So, um, in, in preparation for that, we have um, arranged for all of our students to come in to the academy for um, appointments next week, one-to-one -one meetings. We've got a number of set questions that will help us to identify need. Um, and as a result of that, we will be um, putting together a, an individual personal recovery plan for each student. So every child will have their own personal plan. And then come September, when, when students are back into the building, um, we'll be focusing heavily on, on, on meeting their needs and helping them to recover in, in whatever way that or shape that takes from this this experience that they've experienced and continue to, to experience. So we'll, I suppose in short, the answer is we'll, we'll, we'll be looking at a bespoke package for every single child, um, but, but the emphasis is on well-being and psychological recovery. You can listen to the full interview on the food poverty episode of this documentary. There is no doubt when I say this, coronavirus has impacted young people's mental health differently. Young Minds ran a survey investigating the mental health impacts of coronavirus. 80% of the 2,036 young people they surveyed agreed that the coronavirus pandemic has made their mental health worse. 41% said it had made their mental health much worse, up to up from 32% in the previous survey in March. Some of our respondents shared their experience with mental health in the pandemic. A 16-year-old from Newcastle upon time told us it left them feeling extremely lonely as they struggled losing all their goals and duties. They found it so difficult. However, it also put a lot of things in perspective, allowing them to hopefully come out of this stronger. Charlotte, a 17-year-old from Leeds, told us she has OCD and GAD, and also her anxiety levels have skyrocketed. Having fewer distractions has made her OCD a near-constant presence in her life, when it used to only appear a few days a month, and also 
She has also had to start SSRIs and has been waited list, waitlisted for therapy due to the severity. A 16-year-old from Leeds told us they were affected massively and they were already diagnosed with depression and anxiety but had gotten much worse during lockdown. Chloe, 17-year-old from Leeds, said it has definitely made some things worse for her as a person with diagnosed depressive disorder and she was recovering from bulimia so it was a very suffocating time for me. But unlike some, she did have a support network to help. You can read all the responses we received by heading over to www.covidandyp.com forward slash report. To wrap up this episode, we asked a few people, how can young people be supported with their mental health as things start returning to normality? Here's what they had to say. I think the institution that has the biggest role to play when we're talking about young people's mental health as we're going back to normal is definitely schools because even before the pandemic pastoral care was never that great or up to scratch so now we're going to have an influx of young people who care more about their mental health because they feel like it's deteriorating and I think schools are going to have to somehow cope with that and without the facilities or the resources it's going to be really hard so I think helping schools would probably be a big priority. Also even the mental health services in different young people's locations that aren't actually connected to school there's always been massive waiting lines and young people not actually getting the help they need till four months three months later so actually reducing those waiting lines and making sure that it's more accessible to young people would be really important. And I think even though as we go back to normal or this new normal, we're going to see a lot more mental health services that are going to carry on being online with Zoom sessions and all that. So actually using those and actually utilising those Zoom sessions and the online services is really important for young people who may still want to have things online or who wouldn't want to go to school to talk about those issues. So that's what I think. Young people can be supported by getting mentoring through schools every one to two weeks. They should get a thorough checkup on their mental health and if they need any help in school or at home. As things start to turn back to normal, young people can be supported with their mental health by accessing a range of services, but I'm also aware working within the sector that services are going to literally be up to the brink and that doesn't mean that any young person should go amiss but honestly speaking that is going to happen to some young people because I know when I was younger I was on a waiting list for years and years and years just to get some counselling um, so I also feel like there's COOF the online service but also be supported we need teachers we need a call to action I understand teachers have a lot but we need a call to action maybe for some more youth workers to be employed within schools to support young people and just to have a mentor there I also feel like um, organisations so looking for local youth organisations maybe online things that young people can take part in which is going to build, boost their self esteem so directly looking at sources like Young Minds like 42nd Street and counselling service and Minds but actually what other things can we be pushing out there for young people so youth clubs um, online youth provisions because I know there's quite a lot of them going on creating that a place where I think we can support people by creating a place where it's just in one area so like doing good leads like see what's on their website like the Leeds City Council see what's on their website um, of things that are being offered out for young people and projects that they can take part in because I think when a young person feels a part of something it boosts the self-esteem they feel like they're achieving which essentially will have a positive impact on their mental health and they will make new friends, will feel supported. And as things do start to get back to normal, anxiety is going to be on the rise. So do we need to open up some more free sports provisions for young people? Because sports is linked in with mental health and can also combat anxiety to some degree. Um, do we need free meditation classes? Is there any meditation classes that organisations can partner up with? 
and have young people go to them um, and also start finding um, influencing influencers on Instagram is massive on YouTube but finding in influencers so say, such as myself on Instagram posting positive things relatable things where people they may not speak to somebody but just being able to access a page and go on a page and feel like actually that quote really uplifted me today I needed to see that video or that caption I totally relate to help me that little bit more you never know what a virtual hug can do for somebody um, it can work wonders and also I think we need to be having <coughs> sorry we need to be having more um, podcasts like Lanry like yourself you're doing because it's vital for young people to listen to and relate there's a, a wide range of things how we can support young people but really it's just being there to listen and understand and sourcing the right people so mentors youth workers counsellors therapists safeguarding leads having those contacts there at the ready and it's about the councils getting those contacts out there as well. Thank you for listening to the first episode of COVID and Young People. Coming up in episode two, We'll be talking all things youth voice, where we'll be hearing from Freya Trevor Harris from the I Will campaign, as well as Tom Clark from the British Youth Council. Make sure you tune in. Until then, be sure to share this episode with your friends and follow at COVID and YP on Instagram. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lamray with a four instead of an A on both. And be sure to follow Liv uh, on Instagram at Liv.Erin and then Twitter Liv underscore Erin. This has been COVID in young people. Peace out.